Hey, this is Bob in the Don't Die podcast. Got 100 people a day dying of drug overdoses, and it's got to stop. Aloe Treatment Centers wants it to stop. We want people to get educated about drugs, about treatment. We want you to learn, laugh, and live, but first and foremost, don't die. Welcome to the Don't Die podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Mike. There's no Chuck. Stop dying, Bob. Where in the fuck is Chuck? Where is Chuck? Chuck is up north. Where did we say? Humboldt County. Does he go up there for rehab work in Humboldt? Well, I don't know. I'm not sure. I think it's a rehab work. I, I think they, I think they have a sister uh, uh, rehab up there. I saw a picture of him and Warren and Warren's family and his family all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a rehab thing up there. So well, he's in fine. Humboldt. He doesn't have Wi-Fi. Apparently, they don't have Wi-Fi in Humboldt. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, they must be living in a tree. They're so stoned or high on life that they <laughs> forgot to install the broadband. <laughs> so it's just you and me. And, and yeah. I wanted to do this because, because wait, night, wait, wait, wait. Congratulations. I know. I was going to get right into it. Last oh night God. was the first night in seven days that I slept more than three hours. Oh, so we had a baby boy on March 29th, Idris Muhammad Moon Forest. That is beautiful. Yeah, and he has, and he, he has red hair. He has red curly curlyish hair, and he has he looks a little bit like an alien Jesus. That picture yeah. I sent you. Yeah, he does. <laughs> He looks like an alien, and he looks a little like baby Jesus. And he's, he, but you can tell he's got your features. Yeah, he has that forest kind of snout to him. So, so, but here's here's the thing that happened. So he was premature, not by a lot. I guess you don't have to be that premature to be premature. Right. So he was thirty, just shy of thirty-seven weeks. And he had some trouble breathing, which I don't know you parents out there. I lucky Chuck was really great in helping me take a deep breath. Yeah, um, it was fucking scary because the he was doing this thing called grunting where he couldn't get air, and it was just kind of like the first five minutes was seemed like just like Sid and Elvis and Elijah, and then. And then it just went weird. And he was doing this thing called grunting for you parents that have had pre-me pre pre babies. Uh, it's like their lungs aren't this. The lungs aren't connecting to the ribs. So they kind of, oh, I guess they close as the baby sucks in or I don't know. They're not getting enough air. So, so immediately, like all these nurses and doctors come in and they're dealing with them and, and trying to figure out how to get the lungs open or something. It was scary as fuck. Oh and then my God. Chrissy, Chrissy was to my right, and I just kept telling her, everything's fine, everything's fine. And I was like, oh, my God. So then they stick these tubes down the throat, then they suck out the, the whatever, the embryonic fluid, but then they're like this other thing that they do to try to get it so that the sticky stuff that's on the lungs makes it stick to the rib cage or something. It was crazy. And they got him 
he was all right breathing. And then we were walking around. And then after about an hour, um, the pediatricians came in and they said, you know, we want to move him to ICU. Mm -hmm. That's not a, that's not a thing you want to hear, Mike. Your no. newborn baby's going to the intensive care unit. So it feel was very helpless. It was, I'm telling you, this whole idea of powerless over drugs and alcohol, I never understood that really. I still don't. I understand philosophically, like just, you know, AA is, I do AA a lot like I do masks. I've been fully vaccinated for two months. There's no one, I can't carry the virus now. They found out in research, I can't get it. Um, I wear masks just to get along to get along, right? Yep. I, I'm respectful of other people. I wear masks yep. at my house when the kids come from preschool. I wear masks when I, you know, when, you know, I go to the store. I, I don't, there's no reason. It's part of a social protocol now. Yeah. It's just respect. And the same thing with powerless over drugs and alcohol. I never believed that. I never knew what that meant. It's all just some hogwash that Bill Wilson thought of a hundred years ago. Who gives a fuck? I just go along with it. Because it's AA tradition or whatever. Oh, yeah, I'm powerless. Oh, yeah, I'm powerless. But I never really understood powerlessness until when they took the baby out of the delivery room. Yeah. That is powerlessness. Yeah, man. No matter how much money you have, no matter how much you pray, no matter what you do, no matter what, your power is taken away from you. It's just up to the universe. Yeah. And, and luckily, you know, the, like, you know, Kaiser Hollywood is so great, such a great hospital, not the greatest follow up care, but the greatest hospital. And so they were cool. And they let me go in with them and be with them and watch what they do. And the doctor talked to me for a long time about basketball, by the way, and then halfway through because I was wearing some Lakers thing or something. Halfway through, we were talking about like 15, 20 minutes as my baby's on him got a breathing tube he's got a tube down his throat he's got a tube up his nose it's fucking crazy and we're just talking about basketball and then i stopped midway through because i am a therapist mike i do know a little bit about the psychology and i said you're just trying to calm me down right now aren't you yeah, yeah <laughs> you right know? oh my goes, god yeah whatever you want to talk about i'll talk about it and I go, so are you a basketball fan? He goes, by the way, I am a basketball fan. But yes, I was only in, indulging you because I know it's scarier. Now, so was, he, now was he a Clippers fan? Because <laughs> No, he was a Lakers. I had a Lakers shirt on. I don't know oh. what it was. I had a Lakers mask on. That's what it was. Oh, there you go. It was Chrissy's mask. It wasn't mine. It was just laying there. You know, like, I don't know what happened. But I ended up wearing a Lakers mask to ICU. And then he started talking about the Lakers and it really did get your mind off you. But I just kept looking at, you got a baby that's six and a six pounds. It's got a tube yeah. up his nose, a tube down his throat, and it's on a breathing machine. Oh my God. Yeah. It's uh. fucking scary as shit. Yeah. Then I had to go back to be with Chrissy when she got moved from labor and delivery to what's called uh, postpartum. What a horrible name for a fucking department. Yeah. Well, you know, when you told when, when you told me about the problems that you were having and stuff, I looked it up and and like 50% of babies end up having that same thing. Of premature yeah. babies? Yes. Yes, it's it's a high percentage actually that have to have the breathing um, Well, yeah. Um, the 
the breathing thing is like, yeah, then he got jaundice and that made it even worse. So the next day he got jaundice and then, then he had, I don't know, something else. And I thought, and, and, um, and so the next day, that was Tuesday, they said, we're going to take him off the breathing machine and see how he does. So then more powerlessness. I'm sitting there in Chrissy's room, you know, wondering what I'm going to hear in the next hour or two or three or four about how taking him off the breathing machine went. And luckily, they're so aware that you're so nervous. They came right over and said, good news, baby's breathing fine on his own, blah, blah, blah. So that was great. Oh, my God. What a sigh of relief, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah. one down, three other things to go. Like, right. So Then he had the jaundice and his bilirubins was so high or whatever. It was, you know, so then he had to sleep in this blanket. Like a lot of you parents at home know about this. It's like an electric light bulb blanket, Mike. It's oh, the craziest yeah. thing. They lay on it and then they wrap them in it. And then they put goggles, like blind them out. It reminded me of Clockwork Orange, kind of. <laughs> like he had, he had these things over his eyes. He was in this cocoon of like like ultraviolet light, and just sat there for the whole day. Like they were making and, him watch TV with his eyes taped shut open. stories. These are all stories that you'll be able to parlay to him because you know. When, well, he's, I got photos of it all too. It's pretty crazy. So, so then the, that night they said, you know, he maybe can come back to you guys on Wednesday. And um, so we're sitting there. Um, there was not a lot of talk between me and Chrissy. We would just sit in her room. She would sleep and I would just sit there. It's not a lot to say. It was a real, it wasn't like it. It wasn't like we weren't getting along. There was just nothing to say. It was so sad and freaky and powerless. And so then, like at 10 o'clock at night, they just say, we're bringing the baby over. Like, it's the craziest thing. Like, what are you thinking it's tomorrow? They bring the baby over in the blanket and said, he can stay here. We, we think things are okay now. He can stay here. But we're waiting for tests to come back. They'll come back about midnight. And if they come back bad or whatever, he has to go back to ICU. But if they come back good, which we expect them to, he can stay with you. So so then I was just like, what? Oh you know, God. and then 11 o'clock goes around, 12 o'clock goes around. You don't know. Is it going to be 1 o'clock? Is it going to be 2 o'clock? They're going to come and get him. And then finally I left and then I just told the nurse they're asleep, I guess. And I said, what should I know? And she said, call in the morning. And if he's still here, everything's okay. If he's back in ICU, everything will be okay. So, and, and also I asked the original nurse the night before, because Elvis and Sydney are waiting at home for their brother to come home. He ain't coming home anytime soon. Right. Right. So, so I asked one of the nurses, this woman's so great. Um, uh, and I said, so I got, I got two little kids at home that are wanting to know when their brother's going to come home. And, you know, you guys got any ideas of what I should tell them? And this one nurse just goes, I think children should be told the truth 
I'm sick of all this tiptoeing around with children. Oh my God. I didn't understand. And I go, oh my God, you're speaking my language. And and I said, I'm sorry. I think I forgot who I was for like an all through all this. And I was like, yeah. So I came home. It was like 10 o'clock at night that night. Sid was like laying on the couch with her grandma. And Elvis came running out and said, is the baby coming home in the morning? When's the baby coming home? And I said, the baby's not coming home maybe anytime soon. Baby's a little sick. And Elvis is like, how sick? What sick? Da, da, da. And Sid, Sid just sat up and said, when, when are we going to, when is the baby coming home? And I said, probably, hopefully Friday. This is on Tuesday night, right? Yeah. And she goes, okay. And she just laid back down to sleep. Like kids can handle the truth they just want to know what day right not today it's not going to be tomorrow okay what day and i said friday and she said okay and went back to sleep elvis then had a thousand questions right he's like, a, he's like a problem solver kind of like you you know he's a he's a well he's, he's a, a worrier because la unified school district i think huh. you know what i mean yeah don't forget he said when trump won Rio the election that this is the worst thing that's ever happened in the history of the United States. <laughs> he might've read that somewhere. Who knows? He might've heard that from one of his teachers. Yeah, he might've. <laughs> <laughs> They're in the wonderful uh, union of the Los Angeles Unified School District Teachers Union. At least they taught oh, him one good God. thing. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyways, it was, it was crazy. Then on Thursday, we were able to come home a day early because he was doing so good. Then he took a turn not so good on Thursday night. And we had to go back to the hospital on Friday. We had to go back to the hospital on Saturday. I then said, and they had to do all these tests. And the, you're talking about a little tiny baby that's now under six pounds. Man, and they're taking so much blood out of them. You have no idea. Yeah. They take it out of the feet and just bleed them. They squeeze the feet and they drop the blood down oh, in these vials. Wow. It was crazy. And he's screaming bloody murder. It's just crazy. Every day, sometimes twice a day, blood, blood work. And yeah. they switched feet and then they had done both feet. So then they had to do his arm and it was, they couldn't, oh, it was just torture. But so get this. So then I, I started to get a little cranky with the Kaiser Permanente people. Right. And I said, we're not doing this tomorrow. I didn't, Mike, I didn't know that the tomorrow was Sunday, Easter Sunday. Oh, shit. I just said, we're not doing this another fucking day. We did this on Thursday. We did this on Friday. We did this. We're doing this today. We're not doing this tomorrow. And then she said, um, are you religious? And then I realized it was Easter Sunday that I was saying, no, we can't do it too. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I said, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> can't do it on the Lord has risen day. <laughs> you found a loophole <laughs> i found a loophole i became catholic for yeah, like five minutes a convenience <laughs> and uh my neighbor i told her this story ellen and she said what what would you have said like what if they quizzed you on that and i would have said i'm an atheist and i i don't believe in working on sundays 
<laughs> so, but they accept, you should have seen how quickly they backed down on blood tests and blood work and all that on, on, a, on the Easter Sunday. They're like, okay, well, we're going to need him back in first thing Monday morning. I said, sure, sure. No problem. So we got Sunday off. Then we had to go Monday. Yeah. Um, and, and that was torture because we went to the hospital that we had gone to on Saturday, you know, I don't know what it was, but they had this line in the parking lot to get in the hospital that wasn't there on Saturday or Friday. I guess Friday we met, we went midday or something. And this is fun. You have the baby with you and everything. Right? Yeah. And the baby's around people that got COVID and shit. It was oh, crazy. Geez. You got to go in. So we're waiting this long line. I just said, I'm not waiting here. This is fucking ridiculous. You got some people wearing masks, some people with the mask down under their chin, like yeah. in this parking lot, like 50 people waiting to go single file and get their temperature taken to go into the hospital. And I was like, fuck this. We're not doing this. So then we drove back home. Then now Kaiser starts putting the push. You haven't done the blood work. How come you haven't done the blood work? I said, you were having me sit with an eight-day-old baby in a parking lot with a bunch of people not wearing masks. We're not doing it. Right, And they said, oh, well, we can make you special privileges to go to this other hospital in Ontario. And I was like, well, what good is that going to do? And then we went to the Ontario hospital and they did the labs and did all the stuff that they need to do without having to wait in line and be around oh, six good. people. That's good. And then, but then I'm, I'm now at my wits end with the whole thing. You're talking about seven days of torture for this kid. He's barely born. You're taking blood out of him every fucking hour. And, and you know, he's got to sit with his eyes covered in this blanket. It's just like, it's just, you know, I know that's the right thing to do and the medical necessity thing to do, but it's just fucking brutal. So I was ready to fight them because if the blood work came back, he was going to have to go back in the hospital last night. Right. If it was too many days in a row and I was just like, fuck it. So I signed him up for my insurance and then I called them and I said, we've switched insurances. <laughs> Guess what? That didn't matter, Mike. <laughs> really? <laughs> it didn't matter. They have to follow the case. They said, well, that's all well and good, but you still have to be, you know, satisfy this baby wellness thing, which, so then I just gave in. And we're looking because you look, you can look online for the labs before the doctors call you. And the labs come, and Christy uh, saw them yesterday afternoon about, at three o'clock, and they were perfect. They had dropped in half from the infection rate that he had, or whatever. Oh, and I was just like, oh my God. That's so great. And then they called her two hours later and said, you know, you're he's medically cleared and blah, 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 and congratulations, and all this stuff. So it was a, Eight-day birthing is what I say. Eight wow. days. So now it's over, man. Now it's just uh, now it's just take care of him. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. It well, was, you know, and, and you don't think of thirty-seven weeks as that premature. Like it's only three weeks short of a full term, but it's a lot. I it's guess a lot. It's long. almost a month. Yeah. And then you know, yeah. a lot of kids are born after the due date. You know, so you're talking a month. Well, yeah, and plus they go by the period. Like you think after, you think after like thousands of years of history, we wouldn't still go by. When was your last period? And then say, oh, nine months from then. 
<laughs> like, it's yeah. crazy. Nine months since your last period. I mean, doesn't isn't there something more scientific than that? Maybe not. I don't know. I'm not so, sure. I'm not even sure why they would need to know all that. Well, because they want to tell you the due date. But that's like, you know, that's like dad stuff. I would dad for me, I'm like I sort of was clueless about a lot of stuff, you know. So you had none of these problems with your three kids? No, Maddie, my second child, had an infection in, uh, she was born in, uh, in Newport Beach at Hogue, where I was born, and she immediately got an infection, and they had to give her antibiotics, but that was the only real scare. But she got her. to stay in the room with her, with her mom? Yeah, but they had to put like intravenous uh, antibiotics in her, which was really kind of weird, you know, because they're pumping right. her. So but it was, it was, you know, and then here's the thing I wanted to tell any parents that are going to go through this. Don't read the internet. Don't, don't oh, yeah. Google. Don't try to, it was torture because you're sitting there in the hospital, Mike, for just hours and hours and you got nothing to do. And so I just look up, you know, baby's lungs not inflating or, you know, the terminology yeah. for it. And it's just frightening. And you see, and they got pictures of the shit. And it's just like the internet really, how necessary is the internet? We all need to start deciding. But see, you know, you know what I did was I just Googled, I just Googled the percentage of babies that are born with the um lungs Lung not, not being and then the percentage came up and i was like oh okay well that's you know that's more an accurate sort of gauge of what you know it, it actually is not that uncommon but it's not good but it's not a super uncommon yeah i think that well i think well i the, yeah i read a lot of stuff while i was in there yeah, one was 46 percent of of premature babies end up in ICU for at least one night. Yeah, that's 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 what I did, and then I was done. That's where you should stop. That's still you're sitting there thinking, why is mine part of the forty six percent? That's for, that's <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's fifty percent. Yeah, you know. So here's an interesting thing. I'm waiting for the bill too, and I tried to ask when we were leaving. Um, he was in ICU for. A, a, at exactly 28 hours. Yeah. So I'm wondering, are they going to charge us for two days in ICU? Like, right. I, I just could, because another part of this is the bills for it. Like, I'm just waiting. It's just going to be frightening, right? Right. Two days in ICU, all the different tests and all the different treatments and blah, blah, blah and this and that. And now, if Kaiser, if Kaiser is your is your main, uh, doesn't doesn't it doesn't it cover that or just up that's to what Doctor Drew asked? And no, it's the same as any other insurance company. They they pay. It. We have to pay thirty five percent. Okay. I mean, I think there's basic coverage like the labor and delivery room, but all yeah. the specialty stuff we have to pay 35% of. So we're just waiting. Like the guy was nice with me. I've been on the phone with Kaiser so much. The guy was nice. He, I, I said, can you give me some general ballpark thing of what we're talking about? And he said, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to, you're not going to be out of pocket more than $8,000. Well, and I was like, are you sure 
for all, you know, just the amount of tubes that they would put in them and throw on the ground and throw in. There's just so much medical shit. Like, well, he's the guy that I mean? knows. And so that's not, that's not super, you know, that's not something you can't make payments on. Yeah, no, I, it's doable. I just, you know, you get scared. It's going to be, if it was a hundred, it was a hundred thousand dollars and we owed $35,000. That would just crush us. But if it's 25,000 and we owe eight, like, yeah, that's doable. But it's so Kaiser, weird. Kaiser it's, recently upgraded. Kaiser recently upgraded all of their doctors and doctor's equipment and stuff. They've become really like the top notch. They used to not be, but they've really become. No, it was, it's the best labor and delivery people and the intensive care unit. All those people were just excellent. It was the system itself and how you get blood tests after you leave the hospital. Their lab situations, the labs are only at their hospitals. So you have to go to their hospitals to get labs. And then you're not treated any specially because you have a newborn. You're just the same as some, you know, schmuck coming in with a broken arm or, or, you know, and everybody comes through the emergency room or the urgent care rooms. And that's where the labs are. And you just like, I just sat around thinking like, how many of these people have COVID? And I yeah, got a exactly. fucking five day old baby. That's scary, man. Cause you're not it's even supposed not, to be around. They gotta, they gotta figure out the lab thing. There is a great hospital. We've been to all of them now. We've been to Hollywood, Fullerton, uh, Ontario, but the best one is in Fontana of all places. Like God forsaken Fontana. And just think about where those are located. So Hollywood and Vine, right? I mean, Hollywood and uh, Vermont, right? Yeah. Just a cesspool of humanity. There's like, so, you know, tents everywhere and there's just just filthy everywhere. It's just like, how can Garcetti allow this? There's like squalor on the backside of Kaiser. You know, when you go up Vermont north of Sunset, there's yeah. that Rite Aid there. Yeah. Right. That's like a homeless encampment right there. That little street there. The all, and down the alley behind the Chase Bank. It's like, it's just like, it's like you can just live anywhere. Just go to, you know, go to Big Five Sporting Good and get a tent and put it anywhere you want. It's just fucking, it, it's insane. So, you're, you know, you're parking your car and you're walking with a baby stepping over homeless people. Oh my God. Like what kind of fucking city is this? <laughs> right. Uh, it's not Wisconsin. We were sitting at a, uh, by the Burger King, uh, by, by, by Normandy and, and sunset where the, the, where the, one of the labs is last Saturday, a week ago, Saturday. And we're standing there with a baby Getting out of the car, I'm, I'm getting a newborn baby out of the car. Anybody can see it. Uh, you know, when you see a little spot in a car seat and the mom's standing there and, and I'm getting the baby out. This guy came up to me and asked me for change. Yeah. Like, you know, and he was a well, he was like a good shaped guy, a young guy, like 28. Like he wasn't schizophrenic. He was just, you know, hey, have you got any change? You got, have you got a dollar you can spare? <laughs> I was like, fuck you, get away from me. God damn. Well, and I'm, and I'm a compassionate person, Mike. But I mean, yeah. the, he can't read like, hey, 
this guy, hey, it's in front of a hospital. This guy's got his wife and a tiny little baby. Maybe I shouldn't ask him for money because I was standing by my car for too long, right? Because everyone else is just getting out of their cars and walking as fast as they can. So you don't get asked for money, right? Yeah. Right on Sunset Boulevard and, and Normandy. Uh, something's got to be done. I mean, they cleared out They cleared out uh, Echo Park, uh, the lake, you know. They, yeah, I know that. So, so that there's on. that part where at Hollywood Hospital, you have to you navigate through all the homeless people. There's also really bad parking at that hospital. So sometimes you have to park on the street and, you know. But anyways, so Hollywood. Then Ontario, uh, or where the long line was, was Fontana. This long line where they're taking everybody's temperature one at a time. And this long line in this parking structure where there's really not a lot of air and ventilation. And I was like, fuck this. And it's a really nice hospital, but somebody doesn't know how to had a crowd plan they should hire some concert people to say you know if you have 50 <laughs> people lined up you shouldn't line them up in a dreary parking structure with no ventilation yeah. no breeze and no sunshine you know Crazy. there's like five different entrances to this hospital but they chose the parking lot because they can put all the cones there i guess so so there's fontana which was you know i just and and here's the thing Okay, well, I'll stand six feet apart. Who's enforcing the mask wearing? Because a lot of people, you know, because they were with their spouses or whatever, had their masks down under their chin. Yeah. It's like, you know, because it's kind of hot and stuffy and gross. And like, I'm not standing here in a, in a closed off no, parking I don't, I don't blame. I don't blame you either. I don't blame you either at all, man. I mean, it's, it, you know, you know, we have to have some sort of sanitary well, they're standard. Just, they're just keeping the hospital safe by checking people's temperatures. You know what that means is anybody who's sick is in the parking structure with you while you're <laughs> right, waiting right. in line. Right. Nobody's like, checked them. That. <laughs> so, so then we went to Ontario. Ontario is a little better, but, um, they they like I I parked in the in the red zone and got them out and got them going and then um and I said newborn baby newborn baby so that she wouldn't have to wait in the urgent care line to get in and they let her right in yeah and then once you're in the hospital going to the lab there's not a lot of people at the lab it's the getting in the hospital it's the biggest mistake and I can't believe after a year and a half they haven't figured it out yet. You got the sick people and the people coming back for labs and treatments and whatever. And you got them all going in the same door so you can control the flow into your hospital. And you're creating this, I, I call a super spreader event right outside the doors of your hospital. Oh, that's crazy, man. And so, so that we got in and out there and then we were supposed to go to another building to get him weighed because he was losing weight. And, I, and we pulled up in front of the other building and there was another line. And I was just like, fuck it. We got to be able to, you know, weigh this kid some other way. So what we did was we had Chrissy get on the scale here at home. We got a pretty good scale. And then we had her hold the baby on the scale. And he was, it was 6.4. So he had gone down to like 5.5 pounds, 8 ounces. Now, how did he do that? Because they all lose weight. I guess they're filled with water. In the first few days, they lose weight like crazy babies. They can't lose more than 10% of their body weight. I don't so, remember that. 
Do you remember that? I don't. Oh uh, yeah, babies lose weight. I don't weight. remember that. But um, you know, Devin breastfed all of her. Are you are you guys breastfeeding? Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't come in right away. It takes like a week for the all the to get full milk. Right. So and that's that's the other thing that all the politically correct people don't want to talk about. It's like you know, everybody's for breastfeeding. I don't know. I don't know anybody that's against breastfeeding, but all the breastfeeders act like. If you don't agree with them a thousand percent, you're against breastfeeding. Yeah. Like it's huh. crazy, the militantness about breastfeeding. So, so you know, you, it takes a while for your milk to come in. I think that's part of the, the weight loss, it would seem to me. Right. And so, and pumping is what really gets it flowing. So then you can measure. That's what we were doing. Chrissy's pretty, you know responsible person so she was pumping so she could see that it's 30 whatever it is milliliters or whatever in the tube and then feeding them that how was chrissy during the whole thing that was the she didn't pop much she was no. pretty silent yeah, like i said are you okay and she would be like and she wouldn't even answer she would say are you okay kind of sarcastic and i'd be like no not at all and then she wouldn't ask she was just kind of silent for the whole whole time until the baby came back and then we were both just angry running around drive, going to all these hospitals for five days it was crazy she was wow. like fuck this place when we when we got to the weighing the thing at the ontario hospital she was like i'm not waiting in another fucking line yeah. and i was like there's got to be a way we can measure him and that was weigh her and then hand her the baby and see how much it goes up. And it went up like 6.4 ounces. So then we just decided he was back up to normal weight. He wasn't going, he definitely wasn't going in the wrong direction. He wasn't losing more weight. That was, that was on Sunday. It was crazy. It's been the, it's been the funnest thing though, once it's all said and done. So the elephant in the room for both me and you is being older dads. Now what do we, you know what I mean? Well, or yeah. Like, did you know that there's podcasts older? There's like, uh, uh, like father after 50. Um, no, podcasts. I didn't know that. I know my, my whole thing is if you take care of yourself, people are living a lot longer than they used to. Well, they're saying that fathers that have kids later on in life live longer. Well, that might be. I I know I know dads way older than me. I know yeah. I know, you know I know people in their in their mid sixties having kids. I Mick Jagger had a kid at like he's got a four year old. How old is he? Seventy eight. You know, but but the reason why the mortality rate's coming down is because so many people are dying of drugs, right? So the so when you hear the average male is to be 74 years old, you've got to make up for the fact that 100,000 pe young people die every year of drugs. That takes yeah. that number down. Right. I but if you just way. go by, I have, my father-in-law is 82. He's fucking spry. He goes to work. He drives around. He's, he's rocking. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Um, so the idea would be. So he was an know, older dad. He was an older dad. Yeah. He was older. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's why we bonded. But no, I think <laughs> I think things are I think things are 
you know, I, I've never, you've known me my whole life. I've never been one that wants to retire or go play golf in Palm Springs or something. No, and that's you, a lot of men's goals in life. But you do, They want to suffer for 30 years working a job they hate. And then they want to either go dirt boogie, right? You know, dune buggy riding or, you know, Winnebago, or they want to go play golf in Palm Springs, or they want to travel on some dumb cruise ship. That's never been anything I was interested in. None of that. No. And you're a good golfer. That's what people don't know about you. You were on the golf team when you were in high school and you're an excellent, I've golfed with you. You're an excellent golfer. Oh, thank you. But do you know what I'm saying? You know what's hard about being a good golfer amongst all of our friends who are bad golfers? <laughs> Having to wait, right? <laughs> like with Frenchie or Flea or whatever, I just I would have, I'd hit my shot and then I, I wasn't going to hit my second shot for like 20 minutes. <laughs> I, remember, <laughs> I remember when I was playing and he, I hit my drive and then he hit way up, he hit out of bounds, then he hit the opposite thing in the trees. Then I heard him hit a tree and cuss and then have to go backwards because the ball went behind him. Then he, then he finally hit another shot up to me. And it had to have been like seven shots that he hit to get to me. And he was, he was near me. And I said, what do you lay there? And he said, four. <laughs> you, you, hit, you hit three times out in the trees and oh you hit a tee God. shot. And you hit it to there. It's a minimum five shots. But then you also hit out of bounds on your first tee shot. So that's three more. <laughs> that's two more strokes. You lay seven there. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't like to hear that. He didn't want to hear that. <laughs> and Frenchie golfs all the time and he's not gotten very good. Not, yeah. not, not to put people down, but I mean, golf, golf is, you know what it's like? It's, I, I know exactly what it's like. Golfing with you, say Mike, for me yeah. is like you listening to me play guitar. That's exactly <laughs> what it's like. <laughs> I have a whole golfing career that people don't know about. I was obsessed I with it. I know. And so, and that's part of my OCD. Golf trains you to be OCD. So when I would play tournaments, like the night before, I wouldn't really sleep. I would just play the course over and over in my head, like every shot, like oh, where really? I wanted to hit the tee shot and where, what if I, what if I miss the tee shot here in this spot? Like, where's the pin going to be? I want to get, maybe I should tee off with a three wood so I'm short and then I could hit of, you know, a two iron to the green. And I would just go over it in my head, over and I hit a hole in one when I was 11 years old. Wow. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Indio Municipal Golf Course on the first <laughs> hole. That is awesome, man. Yeah, you know, that's the other thing I joke with Paul T. Like, dude, I was in Indio back in the day, long before there was Coachella down there. I was hitting I was holes in, in one. Indio. Indio was my hangout, right? Right at Monroe and 111 where, where Coachella is just up one block uh, was the only thrifty drugstore in all of the desert. And what? I used to love going there because my mom would have to go there sometimes. I just love thrifty drugstore because you get the ice cream, like five cent, 10 cent, 15 cent. 
Oh yeah, and back in the, and back in the seventies, there was there was like about five bo- golf courses in that desert area. There yeah, was there was only bunch. there was only the one we were at: Indian Wells, El Dorado, Bermuda Dunes, La Quinta, and that was it. And like Palm Springs had one called Tamarisk, I think. That was all the golf courses there were when I was a kid. Yeah. Now there's like a golf course on every corner. Right. There was Palm Desert Country Club, which is where a lot of my friends from school lived that was like a development they just that whole thing was to sell the houses around it right sure sure indian yeah. wells was really a country club and then they had some houses and slowly people bought lots and but i grew up in the desert and and it's amazing that it just became this golf course on every corner you just wonder how many bad golfers are there there you remember you millions also- of them yeah, you also remember when Thunderbird Drive was just like completely desolate. Once you got out of Palm Springs, Thunderbird Drive was just like nothing out there. That's where you yeah, went. Yeah, there drive was nothing. Really there was nothing where we lived, where where you pick up your Coachella tickets if you're a band or a backstage important, very important person, is the Indian Wells Tennis Tournament place. You, you ever been there? Yeah. It's this big arena for tennis. And that used to be where I'd ride my dirt bike and catch lizards. It was all just desert there. Right. Yeah. Right. And my house was right next door to that place. And so, you know, I take the kids there every time. Elvis is so bored with it. I think I've, I think I've brought them to the house I grew up in like eight times. You know, like in a movie, you're only supposed to do it once. I do it all the time. I was like, <laughs> you want to see where I was born? Want to see where the house where I grew up? You do that too, because I do it all the time. My kids, I just keep drilling into them. Every I do time. it all the time. I do it. Yeah. We were driving down 111 a couple weeks ago, and I said, Elvis, you want to see the house I grew up in? And he was, it was like a joke. He was like, how much longer are you going to do that for? And I was like, <laughs> and just for probably till I die. You want to yeah. see the house I grew up in? Because yeah. because most people nowadays, I mean, he's had how many houses? He's been in Hollywood, Laurel Canyon, Encino, Mount Washington, and here. He's lived already in five places. He's only 10 years old. I lived in one place, Mike, until I was 14. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's important, yeah. that house. Yeah, you see, my grandfather built a house down in Sunset Beach. He built when it was just sand, and he bought the lot in 1912 for $800, a double lot in Sunset Beach. Right. And built and built his own house, and it's still there. And so every time we go by there, I say, your grandfather <laughs> built that house, you know, because, and I show them, and, you know, and, and so that someday they'll show their kids, hey, that's where your great-grandfather, you know, he built that house. Didn't your dad live in Sunset Beach? That's where, yeah, we all lived. Hal, Hal came down, used to come down in the summertime all the time and go swimming and hang out. He met my grandmother and everything. I met Hal's parents. I've met Hal's dad. I've met Hal's dad. It was, uh, did you remember the monster? Remember the, remember the TV in the monster van that we got from X? Sure. Yes. That TV was Hal, Hal Negro's family's TV. <laughs> How'd you get that? And he that? sold it to me and some weird Coke fronting him money for Coke or something. <laughs> and then we went there real sneaky with the monster van, pulled it up to the front of their house. And he and I, and I think Rob Graves, like loaded that thing out and got it somehow into the van. And once it 
thudded down. It just sat there until we, you know, ran that van into the ground. Remember, it was it didn't move at all. It just sat there. It was a. It was that's when we watched Ishtar and all Ishtar of, and Full Metal Jacket over and, and over and over. Spinal over again. Tap. When Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap. Yeah. What we had a VHS player. That's how long ago it was. <laughs> Our monster touring van had a VHS machine, and we watched. Full Metal Jacket or Spinal Tap or um, or you, or you were, all, you were obsessed with watching that the fall for some reason for a while that you were obsessed with this video by the fall. Well, it's just like a bad video, but you know that at that time, Angelo Moore from Fishbone, the singer, and John Frusciante, the great guitar player from the Chili Peppers, could recite in order exactly every word said in spinal tap they could just go back and forth and back and forth every word of spinal tap and the spinal tap thing people forget it how much that movie uh, peter case saw it on a on a you know a 11 a.m screening of it in brentwood he came to my house and said you got to see this movie and we went and saw like the six o'clock screening of it <laughs> in the theater spinal tap that's so great, man. It was so great. That was our life. That was. And and that that whole world. And now so so fast forward to premature baby dealing with insurance companies, dealing with, you know, three kids now. Three kids so, in this house right now. Three kids, man. We're older dads. We're gonna live a long older time. Older dads. Yeah. Well, We're you kinda have to, don't you? Well, I'll just say this, like I'm at a place in life where I can be with my kids, like more than they even want me to be, you know, most, <laughs> I remember my dad worked Friday. At what, what would he, he would come home Friday. Cause we live in the desert and he, he, we had a house in LA and he lived here during the week to work. He would come down on Friday night and then he would leave on Sunday evening to go back to LA. He was only home two days a week. And that was, you know, that was traumatic really probably led to all of our ad addiction and mental health problems a dad that wasn't there and right. so i think a lot of dads when you're 35 you know when elijah was 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 whatever he was born when i was 28 so when i was 35 and i got sober um you know i worked from seven in the morning until three thirty in the afternoon and then we'd have a couple hours and I'd go to an AA meeting at night and not get back till 10. I mean, I, I saw him for like maybe an hour at dinner time, you know, five days a week. And then he'd go to his mom's on the weekends. Like it really wasn't, you don't get a full, whatever it's called, you know, the quantity. You don't get quantity with working younger dads. You just don't. They're, they're moms either. Working moms. You know, George Clooney had just had twin. He turned 56 and he had twins. There you go. So, well, what I love is there was somebody. Um, oh, yeah. Cameron Diaz had a kid and just said, I don't want to play be in movies anymore. How great is that? How uh, fucking badass is that? Not uh, talking great. about how hard it is to do it. She said, I've been in enough movies. I don't need to make movies anymore. Fuck that. I'm a mom. That's great. Right. And so I don't need to, you know, I don't need to make a million dollars. I'll just be a dad. Yeah. 
Um, so that's it. That's the exploits of the forest birthing. That was really just, awesome. I'm so glad I got to talk to you finally because I was a little worried because there was a period of silence after we yeah, it was just talked like and that. I just figured that you just needed to deal with stuff, you know? Yeah, so. it's just nonstop. It's just like nonstop. And you're not in a mood to like get congratulated when your kid's in a box with lights all on No, it. no, no. You no, know no. what I mean? I knew you needed some space, so. Right. So everything's okay now. He is eight days old. I love you, man. I love your family. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go see what's going on. Somebody's Elvis got to go to bed. It's nine o'clock. Elvis has right. Zoom school in the morning. Can't Let's wait. Let's say goodnight and I'll get this good thing night. out. Zoom and school. Fuck Zoom, Zoom school. school. That's what I say. Fuck Zoom school. All right. <laughs> All right. See you later, Bob. See you later, Bob. Bye. Thanks. Hey, this is Bob, and you can get a hold of Aloe Treatment Centers at 888-595-0235. That's Aloe Treatment Centers in Malibu and Silver Lake, 888-595-0235. Tell them Bob told you to call.